A reading from the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven, under, in, under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I wonder if you would agree with me if I said this to you. There is a sweetness in following Jesus. Nod your head if you agree with that. There's a sweetness in following Jesus. I'm going to share with you one of my pet peeves. My friend, the Reverend Monica Tilly, says she's going to write a book about my pet peeves. <laughs> I don't know why she says that. But I'm going to share one of my pet peeves with you. This day is people in the church who are trying to convince the church to be scared of the government, be scared of the world, be scared of this, be scared of that. End times are coming, all this kind of hooey that they're throwing around, trying to get the church of Jesus Christ to be scared. Let's do some logic. You ready? Is Jesus the King of kings? What do you say, church? Is He Lord of lords? Is He God? 
Does he hold you in the palm of his hand? Why should you be scared of anything? Have we been given a spirit of fear that we should cower before the world? I say no. Do we have reason to fear Christ? I say no. I stand before you a sinner. And I'm grateful for His grace and mercy. Fascinating thought occurred to me this week. What must it have been like to be in that room and look over at your buddy Peter and say, Peter, your hair's on fire! <laughs> right? Little tongues of fire over their head. Right? But you know, that sounds crazy, that story, but after you've been in a room and had a dead guy stand in a room and talk to you, can you really be surprised by anything else? I mean, seriously, right? <laughs> Aren't all bets off as to what's going to surprise you? And didn't Jesus tell them, wait until I send you power from on high? I don't know if they were surprised or not, but I'm sure that after having Jesus stand in their midst and, and talk to them, after something like that, it'd be hard to be surprised by anything. And at that point, being in a room with divided tongues like fire hanging over your head, probably not going to be that surprising. You're probably going to wonder what's going on. And then I thought about that wind, you know, the noise of a rushing wind. How many of you guys remember Hurricane Hugo? That's what that sounded like. It scared me and I was in Clemson. I was sitting in a, room, in a building made out of aluminum called Johnstone. And one of my friends said, David, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know about you, but if it turns this way, I'm leaving. They were showing pictures of that thing blowing buildings down. I'm not staying in this thing. <laughs> a mighty rushing wind. 70 mile an hour what kind of wind. You know, that kind of wind moves stuff, doesn't it? Have you ever tried to walk into a 40 mile an hour wind? Had to lean a little forward and push. That kind of wind moves stuff. It picks stuff up. It makes three foot waves on the lake. It transforms your hair. If you have a comb, on, a comb over, 40 mile an hour wind is your worst enemy. It's just going to ruin your whole day. There's not enough hairspray in the world to make your hair stick in 40 mile an hour wind. It moves hair. It moves everything. It pushes, right? Doesn't that kind of wind push you along? It feels like it's prying you somewhere. And it prods us, doesn't it? That kind of wind pushes and it pries and it prods and it seeks to change everything that it blows against. I think that's why they heard wind. The disciples must have felt that they were in a whirlwind anyway. Dead men standing in their midst, tongues of fire hanging over their heads. Surely they must have realized that things in their lives were changing radically. And that kind of change is scary. We like settled lives, at least most of us do, right? Anybody here want a cataclysmic change in your life today? I can hook you up. No? We don't like change. We like for things to stay the same. I'm reminded of this story I heard a long time ago. There were two old fellows who were sitting on a park bench every day. They did that every day that it didn't rain. Every single day, they were best of friends and they met each other at the same park bench in the same park at the same time every single day. They had done this forever. They rarely talked. They just liked to sit together. And like most of, the, most of those days, on this day, they sat shoulder to shoulder feeding the birds, feeding the squirrels, 
watching people, laughing at people, enjoying the warmth of bright sunshine on a cold day. That's a good thing to do in a park, isn't it? And they were sitting doing that and just feeling all happy. And then one of them shuddered and went, <sighs> and his friend jumped up and said, fine, if you're going to talk about politics, I'm going home. You might wonder what in the world does that joke have to do with Pentecost, with change, with blowing winds, and especially with Jesus. Well, politics, dear ones, are a matter of how we live together, right? Our polity gives shape to our life together, whether it's our life as a nation or is our life as a denomination. That's true for the polity of the United States and true for the polity of the United Methodist Church. Our book of discipline gives shape to our life together. And it was true for the polity of the first gathering of Jesus' followers. What they didn't have that day, what they didn't know yet, is what would shape their life going forward. Because Jesus is gone. He said, I'm going to leave. And then He was gone. And I'm sure they wondered, what next? What's going to shape our life now? What is going to be our politics They were used to being a certain way. They were used to following Jesus around Galilee and watching Him do amazing things. And that was the shape of their life for three years. And suddenly that had come to an abrupt end. And Jesus had ascended to the Father. So they waited, just as Jesus instructed them, for power to come on them from on high. And that power was the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who came to them in the sound and force of a mighty rushing wind. A driving violent wind that promised them that things were about to change. And change they did. God the Holy Spirit was poured out on them just as Jesus said the Spirit would be. And what we have heard is an account of how those first believers received that Spirit. It's a story about them, but it's a promise to us too. That we too can be vessels of God's presence and power in the world. That gift didn't end that day. And just like a mighty rushing wind, God's presence and power are transforming. It's the Spirit of God who dwells in us and gives us life and causes us to be the body of Christ, what we call the church. John Stott said that before Christ sent the church into the world. He sent the Spirit into the church. And the same order must be observed today. That's still true for us. Before Christ sends us out the doors today, Christ renews Christ's Spirit in us so that we can serve Him in the world. And that upper room was a gathering of people who knew what it was to have the shepherd struck down and to be scattered like sheep. They knew what it was to find themselves really feel timid and afraid. They were hiding because they had killed Jesus and they believed they were coming for them next. That's real fear. Peter in particular, he denied the Lord three times to keep from being arrested. To keep from being associated with Jesus. Don't you know that the threat of being hurt, the threat of being humiliating, Humiliated can just be unraveling for us. Have you ever felt yourself just recoil at the thought of being made fun of? It can bring out the worst in us. 
And when we're threatened, we can become defensive and offensive, finding ourselves filled with fear, with anger, and very often despair. And we let our lives turn inward on themselves and ignore people around us. In those moments, our language and our behavior can take a nosedive and we begin to behave in a manner that could only be called unholy. Jesus had warned His disciples that it was out of the heart that their mouths would speak. That 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 which is truly in us will often spill out of us when we feel threatened or afraid. When Peter was denying Jesus with cursing and anger, he was acting out of the fear and anger that were dominating his heart in that moment. And sometimes we find ourselves with our mouths full of words, our minds full of thought, our bodies given to actions that don't sound like or look like the heart of Christ. The pastor included. I think we should pay attention to those moments. They demonstrate places where like Peter on the night of Jesus' rest, we still need for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. It's the Spirit who works in us to make us holy and make us like Christ. The Holy Spirit is the organizing principle of our lives. The Holy Spirit is the polity for us. It shapes our life together. Sarah Alford said in confirmation class that the Holy Spirit is the whole of fire. Right, Sarah? One of the best theological statements I have ever heard. Because it's absolutely true. The Spirit of God was given to us to make us holy. To work in us. To be a fire of holiness in us. To be one who makes us holy. What a brilliant thing she said that day. The Spirit is a violent rushing wind in us that will not allow us to be just us. But to transform us to be Christ in the world. To fill us with light and love. And as the Apostle Paul taught us, perfect love casts out fear. The church need not be afraid. We are loved perfectly by Christ. Paul also wrote to the Romans that we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but that we received a spirit of adoption. And when we cry, Abba, Father, it's that very spirit. When we call God Father, He says it's that very spirit bearing witness to our spirits that we are God's children. What in the world do the children of God have to fear? It was the transforming and life-giving power of the Holy Spirit that changed Peter from a mouth and heart full of cursing to a mouth and heart full of proclaiming the kingdom of God come in Jesus of Nazareth. In just a few days, in just a short time, Peter went from presenting evidence that he didn't know Jesus to presenting evidence that Jesus is the Christ. And that he was a follower of Christ Jesus. Before Peter could be sent into the world to bear witness to Christ, the Spirit had to be sent into Peter. He had to be wrestled off his park bench. He had to be brought out of the comfort of hiding. He had to be transformed. Before Peter could be sent into the world, the Holy Spirit had to be sent into Peter. 
before we can be sent into the world, the Holy Spirit must be sent into us. So that we can be transformed, made one with each other and one with Christ through the pushing, the prying, and the prodding of the Holy Spirit. And our lives too can be filled with evidence that we follow Jesus of Nazareth. But as soon after Peter made that change, he was arrested for preaching Christ. He and John were brought before the ruling council. They were threatened and arrested, but they still preached Christ. And when I read that story in the book of Acts, and when I taught the Bible study the other day, I found myself wondering, if they showed up today and arrested me, would there be enough evidence in my life to convict me? of being a follower of Jesus? Or have I been too timid and hid it? Have I cowered in public? Have I allowed the Holy Spirit to so transform me with the love of Christ and the righteousness of Christ and the life of Christ that those are visible in me? And then I wonder if we were all arrested together today, if they showed up and hauled us all before court, would there be enough evidence to convict us of following Jesus? Bishop Will Willeman says it's getting hard to distinguish our denomination from the Elks Club and the Rotary Club because we've given up on our mission to preach the good news, to proclaim Jesus taking away the sins of the world. I wonder how could an assembly of people called to do that look the same as Rotaries and Elks? I mean, sure, we share their desire to help people, right? But have we forgotten the power we were given? Have we succumbed to the fear that if we tell people about Jesus, they won't like us? So what? They never liked us. For centuries, they nailed us to sticks and burned us. Threw us into lion's dens. Killing Christians could have been an Olympic sport for 200 years. I wonder if our denomination is becoming afraid of standing up for God and preaching Christ because we don't want the ignominy of being labeled Jesus freaks. Followers of Jesus. In a time when following Jesus, to be honest with you, isn't very cool. It won't make us the most popular person in class. It won't make you the most popular person at work. Probably won't make you the most popular person in your neighborhood. Have we become afraid to be who the Spirit was given to us for us to be? Peter was delivered from his fear. He was transformed out of being afraid to confess Jesus and proclaim Jesus as Lord. He was transformed into a bold witness who defied the court and stood in the temple preaching Jesus, preaching salvation in the name of Jesus after they told him to stop. He went from being afraid 
to being a bold witness to the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. He boldly called his neighbors to repent of their sins, to come to baptism, to come to faith, and to get new life from Christ. Once timid Peter was given his tongue on Pentecost, a tongue of fire, and he rose to proclaim peace in the name of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit changed Peter, transformed Peter. The Holy Spirit blew through his life and Peter was pushed from being afraid to publicly confess Jesus to preaching what is very often considered to be the very first Christian sermon. Here's the catch. When we were baptized, the same Holy Spirit that changed Peter was given to us. In our baptism, we received that same Spirit, that same presence and power of God. Not a different Spirit, but the same Spirit. We too, this day, can be filled with God's Spirit so that words of God's wonder, of God's mercy and love and grace flow from us. But sometimes, perhaps more often than we would like to admit, we allow ourselves to be filled with the spirits of materialism and self-interest that dominate our society rather than the spirit of life, the spirit of the living God. I'm ashamed to admit it, but before I accepted my call into ministry, I sat at a desk with a notepad to figure out if I could live on the salary I had been told I would have if I could pay my bills. It was such a drastic cut that I was afraid. And I'm so glad right now that the Spirit of God wouldn't allow me to surrender to that fear. Perhaps on this day of Pentecost, we might consider giving ourselves over to being filled with Christ's Spirit so that a jury of our peers could do no less than convict us of being zealous for Christ, of being committed followers of Christ, of speaking of Christ's heart to our neighbors, proclaimers of our Lord's love. Perhaps this day we could decide to take the risk of allowing God to use us to be Jesus' witness in the world. People who would proclaim Jesus to be God, to be Lord, to be Savior, to be the one who takes away the sin of the world, the one who will judge the world, the one who defeated sin and death, the one who is bringing about a new creation, the one who clothes the naked, feeds the hungry, and loves the orphan. I wonder if we would allow God's Spirit to fill us so that we could take that risk of speaking that kind of truth. We have not been given a spirit of fear to fall back into fear. We've been given a spirit of adoption. We are claimed by God as God's own children. What do we have to fear? God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Perhaps being filled with the Spirit we also might be transformed from being timid and afraid to share our faith 
to being powerful, bold, unwavering witnesses to the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you want that for Adna? Do you want that power in your own life? It's my prayer for us that the Holy Spirit would blow through us like a mighty rushing violent wind and push, pry, and prod us out of our comfort, comfortable places and into the hurting places of the world to be Christ's witnesses and transform us to be bold, unafraid followers of Jesus who speak His name no matter what the cost. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. On this day, the birth of the church. Amen.